The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Now the thing about time is that time isn't really real. It's just your point of view. How does it feel for you? Einstein said he could never understand it all. Planets are spinning through space. Smile upon your face. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome. I am your host, Jay Taylor. I'm also the editor of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks. And to learn more about my work and the work of my two partners, Chen Lin and Roger Wiegand, you should go to miningstocks.com miningstocks.com and webeatthestreet.com that's webeatthestreet.com you can learn more about Roger Wiegand directly through that website and more about Chen Lin through miningstocks.com although you can access Roger through both of those sites to sign up for special trial offers you can call my assistant Claudio Bossi actually it's my wife this week because Claudio is on vacation visiting his kinfolks in Argentina but my wife uh, Teresa Taylor We'll be happy to take your call during regular business hours at 718-457-1426. That's 718-457-1426. Call, as I say, during normal work hours, and we have some special trial offers for you. You can try our newsletters to see if they're right for you without spending a lot of money to start with. And, um, well, we think we offer real good uh, value in all three letters that we have. Uh, you can also follow more of my work by going to jtaylormedia.com. That's jaytaylormedia.com and goldinvestor.com. Goldinvestor.com. And uh, also to keep track of uh, companies on my radar screen, companies that I'm taking a serious look at, and quite frankly, some of them are looking quite good. 
Um, but some of those that have not yet made it into my newsletter, uh, you can learn more about before they do, if they do, and there's no guarantee that they will, but jayswatchlist.com. Jayswatchlist.com has some very interesting ideas there how you can invest for the new year. I want to thank each of you for listening to this show and for telling your friends uh, about our show. Word of mouth is a way that this grows, and as we bring on new guests and new companies uh, that share their uh, their insights with us, we see our numbers growing as people are learning about our show. We were up about 10% this last month over the previous high, so we have about about 4,600 people a week listening to this show right now, which we think is a very respectable number given the fact that we started only on March of 23rd of this past year. <clears throat> Excuse me. As always, I want to thank our corporate sponsors who have sponsored us through this season that is ending with this show. Those corporate sponsors have been Apollo Gold, Bonterra Resources, Hawthorne Gold, Metanor Resources, Pediment Gold, Palangio Explorations, and Sand Gold. Well, as I noted, this is the last show for this season. On January 5th, we begin the winter season and our new expanded two-hour program. The program time will be from 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time through 5 p.m. Eastern Time. And we begin that two-hour session. Uh, our special guest for the very first week will be David Tice. David is the founder of the Prudent Bear Fund. He is now the bear market strategist for what is uh, now known as the Federated Bear Fund. And David has been at the forefront of bear market investing for more than 20 years. Most of that time I've known him personally. met him on a mining trip many years ago in the southwestern part of the United States and have learned to know David, have interviewed him several times for my newsletter, this is the first time we'll have him on a radio show. I don't expect David to have a lot of very optimistic things to say about the economy, uh, knowing David as I do and what his views are from an Austrian perspective. But what I am really interested in learning from David, and I think you should be too, is whether he thinks uh, this economic malaise that we have, this pathological economy that we have, whether uh, it's going to work its way through this mess uh, through a hyperinflationary depression or through a deflationary depression. You know, John Williams and some of our other guests are betting on inflation. Several others like oh, Ian Gordon and Bob Prechter and, um, and uh, Mish Shedlock and others are really on the deflation side of this, of this argument. The obvious follow-up concerns then is now should we, you know, how to best invest our money. If we head into a deflationary implosion, then it has, there's one way we want to invest our money, primarily in gold and gold shares. If we go into a hyperinflationary environment, though, gold shares may not provide nearly the kind of returns that they will in a deflationary environment. It's all about the real price of gold. Really, that's what matters most from a miner's perspective and actually is from an investor's perspective too if you think about it. The real price of gold, as Bob Hoy has pointed out on this show, uh, has really risen dramatically during deflationary events. We saw that happening last fall. Uh, actually, when we, uh, after the Lehman Brothers debacle, we saw the price of gold rise in terms of what an ounce of gold would buy. It rose very dramatically. Uh, silver d does better than gold in an inflationary period of time. And so since the markets have come back uh, since about March of this year, silver has outperformed gold. And we would expect silver to continue to outperform gold if we head into a uh, more of an inflationary environment. If we go into another deflationary de depression, another, uh, another event like we had last fall or worse, then I would expect gold and gold mining shares to shine the brightest. 
So that really brings us uh, brings up a topic uh, and an invitation I'd like to pass out to the listeners there, uh, all of you who are listening to the show, both live and uh, listening after the event uh, on our archived uh, broadcast. You, we want to invite you to tell us what you think the real price of gold will be as of March 31st, the year 2010, next year, next the first quarter of the year when our winter season ends. We want to find out what you think the real price of gold will be. And what do I mean by the real price of gold? What I'm talking about is gold measured against the Rogers Raw Materials Fund. The Rogers Raw Materials Fund. What will an ounce of gold buy? To give you an idea, right now, um, an ounce of gold will buy 33.5% of the Rogers Raw Materials uh, Fund. It would have bought only 15% of the Rogers Raw Material Fund on, during January of 2005. Uh, at the peak of uh, the decline in uh, in the equity markets and the commodity markets last uh, earlier this year in March, or actually February 20th, an ounce of gold would have bought 44% of the Rogers Raw Materials Fund. So what I would like you to do is to, you can call in, actually, and we're going to invite people to call in today to today's show, and give us your prediction. What will an ounce of gold buy? What percentage of the Rogers Raw Material Fund will an ounce of gold buy by December, by excuse me, by March 31st of 2010? Uh, will it buy 50%? Will it buy 25%? You tell us how much will an ounce of gold buy of the Rogers Raw Material Fund. Now, if you believe we're heading into a deflationary implosion, the equity markets and the commodity markets are going to tank. Then you can make the case that uh, that uh, gold's going to buy more of the Rogers Raw Material Fund. At least that's what history suggests. On the other hand, if you're an inflationist, you might suggest it's going to go in the other direction. But if you call in to this number, and our toll-free number is 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, call in with your prediction. We want to talk with you, and if you have any other comments about the show, about gold, about commodities, any questions you have, I'm going to have Roger Wiegand is actually on with me now. Don't know if we'll get to him before the station break, but during the second uh, part of our break here, we'll have Roger on, and uh, <clears throat> we'll uh, we'll throw some questions around to Roger as well. Here's a second thing I'd like to know. I'd like you to also make a prediction. Feel free to call in uh, with this prediction. How many ounces of gold will it take uh, on March 31st, 2010, to buy the Dow Jones? How many ounces of gold will it take on March 31st, 2010, to buy one unit of the Dow Jones? Well, at its peak, at the market peak, it took 44 ounces of gold to buy the Dow. That was before the peak in January of 2000. Now it takes 9.6 ounces, only 9.6 ounces, to buy a unit of the Dow now, compared to 44 ounces back in uh, January of 2000. Historically, over the past 100 years, the Dow to gold ratio has been at about one to one at the absolute bottoms of bear markets, of secular bear markets. So if that holds true, it means that gold stands to gain oh, eight times, eightfold or so against the Dow yet before we see the Dow bottom. Well, we don't really care whether that means that the Dow is going to be, you know, ten thousand and gold is going to be ten thousand dollars an ounce, or the Dow is at one thousand and gold is one thousand. Although it will have some profound uh, effects in terms of how we invest because, un as I just noted, under a deflationary scenario, we're going to have to invest uh, in gold and gold shares under an inflationary environment, probably more inflation items uh, like copper and real estate probably should do well, energy and so forth should do very well. So you can call in with your prediction of 
uh, how many ounces or, or what percentage an ounce of gold will buy of the Rogers Raw Material Fund. Uh, and we'll invite you also to send your answers in by email. So if you don't feel like calling in, you can send them in by email. The winner of uh, both of these uh, questions, the one that comes closest to the actual ratios at the end of March 31st, will get a free subscription to my newsletter, J. Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stock. So we would like to hear from you in any event. We want to have people call in today. We're going to have some special, uh, some different guests on today since our main guest, uh, Mr. Gross, is, is apparently not available uh, for the show. So we're inviting you to call in. Uh, again, with the answers to uh, your, your guess as to where the gold price is going to be in real terms, how much of the Rogers raw material will gold buy by March 31st, how many ounces of gold will it take to buy the Dow by March 31st of 2010. Well, we only have about a minute left to go, uh, so I think we're going to head on to the break. Again, we'd like you to call in to, um, call in to this number, toll-free number 866-472-5790. If you have questions for myself or Roger Wiegand, and later we're going to have Chen Lin join us very shortly. We'll have Chen Lin join us. We're going to have, I think, Bill Lagener is going to be joining us as well as my good old friend Al Corland. Uh, so feel free to call in with your questions for uh, Roger Wiegand, Chen Lin, and myself to start with. And also, again, the predictions that you have with respect to what an ounce of gold will buy. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. Apollo Gold is a gold-producing and exploration company that recently brought the brand-new Black Fox Mine into production. Apollo's 100% owned Black Fox Mine is located in the world-renowned gold-producing district of Timmins, Ontario, Canada. It's expected to produce over 100,000 ounces of gold annually. Apollo Gold also has tremendous potential for additional gold discovery as they continue their current exploration program on their recent new discovery at the Gray Fox property, which is adjacent to the Black Fox Mine, as well as its new land acquisition of 
Pike River. With gold prices near an all-time high, investors should consider Apollo Gold as an outstanding opportunity to invest in an undervalued junior gold mining company, well-positioned to take advantage of a bull gold market. Apollo Gold trades on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol AGT and on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol APG. Visit Apollo's website at www.apollogold.com. Apollo Gold, a golden opportunity for investment. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard. It's just a love you're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Well, today's special guest was supposed to have been Martin Gross, the author of a book, uh, many, many books, in fact, uh, many New York Times bestsellers. Uh, and he was going to talk about uh, National Suicide is the name of the latest book. and It was really about debt, the enormous amount of debt and waste and fraud and corruption that's a part of our government. And um, unfortunately, there must have been some miscommunication somewhere along the line. He was supposed to be on, but uh, people were out on vacation, holidays, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and wasn't able to really get in touch with him today. So we're going to actually um, we're going to have a good time anyway. We're going to be talking to... Uh, to Chen Lin, Roger Wiegand, and maybe get a couple more people on. Bill Lagner is a possibility, and Al Corlin. But uh, between the three of us, uh, uh, Taylor Wiegand and, um, and and Chen Lin, I think we've got more than enough uh, on our platter to talk about. So let's get right into it. Oh, first, before, before we do, let me just invite you again to call in with questions that you might have, uh, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790. Five nine uh, five seven nine zero. I'm sorry, eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. Toll free number. Call in. I would invite you again to give your prediction as to what an ounce of gold will buy, uh, what percentage of the Rogers raw material an ounce of gold will buy, and what percentage uh, or how many ounces of gold it will take to to buy the Dow by March 31st, the end of the first quarter of this year. It's just a prediction, and whoever comes the closest will get a free subscription to my newsletter. Jay Taylor's gold and uh, gold energy and tech stocks. Well, I've got Roger with me now, and also Chen Lin. Uh, hi, Roger. Hi, hi, Jay. Hey, um, happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you. We've got a couple more days yet, but it's looking like a pretty good year for the equity markets in general. It's been a great year for gold and gold shares, that's for sure. Um, what do you? What are you looking at as we go into the new year? What are the main themes that you're looking at as we uh, as we head into a new year? Where can we make money in 2000, 2009, uh, 2010, I should ask? We're very excited about what we see on these charts technically and the positioning of various markets. 
I think one of the ways to look at it, Jay, would be to break it down from, say, January through May, which is the okay. better part of our trading and investing um, cycle for the, for the entire year. Uh, we're looking for very large advances in gold and silver and in the related shares uh, between probably mid-January all the way to May. I think uh, we, we can do as well as we've done the last 10 years, potentially, in this, in this next uh this next cycle. Uh, the, <clears throat> the bond market has rolled over. Uh, the U.S. dollar is coming back a little, but we think it'll peak at around 80 and then drop back. And what we see happening is, is that gold uh, and the gold shares are kind of decoupling from uh, the, the regular mainstream markets because of uh, all the funds piling in to buy commodities. Uh, Bloomberg reported, I think, just about a week ago that there's now $60 billion invested in commodities, and there's another $3.5 trillion that's uninvested, most of which we think will probably go into uh, some bonds, but more likely equities. And as a result of that, with the rising gold and silver markets that we see ahead of us, uh, we think we're going to get our share plus more. So we're thrilled. So, Roger, are you predicting that the next several months are going to be just gangbusters for, for commodities in general or, or for precious metals in particular? Well, both, really. Um, oil has kind of peaky around 78 to 80, but it's been holding its own, even in an oversupply situation. Uh, the grain sector, uh, because of weather and other problems, looks very bullish to us, particularly corn. Uh, the Sugar has almost gone up 250%. Normally, it's around a dime. It's 26, 26 cents right now. Uh, rice has gone up and down quite a bit recently. Uh, we look for weather-related uh, commodity stuff to do exceedingly well next year. So if we break it down, what we want to do is we want to position ourselves probably at the latest in mid-January, at the earliest, perhaps the 4th, which would be next Monday, uh, to set up and, and get in, enter our new positions for the shares. Uh, two that we really like in our group, I've just gone through all of my, my uh, list here for, for the setups for the next year. I particularly like Timmons Gold, TMM. Uh, it's a junior that's doing exceedingly well. They're now in production. They've shown a lot of activity lately. The price has gone up considerably. Timmons was... Uh, they were around 40 cents, and now they're, they're quite a bit higher. The other one is Clifton Star Resources. Uh, Clifton Star uh, has gotten further along in the evaluation of their project in Quebec. Uh, they, and most importantly, they have a new partnership with Osisco, who is bringing in $70 million of cash to expand uh, drilling and be their partner. So those are two that we really like. Uh, the next thing that we like for next year, and we've been holding these positions already, would be our gold spreads for April and June, and we've got, those are in the futures department. We've also got silver, which has done very well. We've got silver spreads open for March, and we may roll some of those into May. And uh, the other thing that we, we like for trading next year, we do some currency trading periodically, and the Canadian dollar... Uh, along with the, uh, the the Swiss and the Euro, have been the top inverse trades versus the U.S. dollar. What I'm seeing now, Jay, is that the Canadian dollar is doing the best of all, which really does not surprise me because the Canadian dollar 
is so related to commodities, uh, mining, energy, and grain. So our Canadian dollar trades look very attractive for next year as well. Okay, Roger, as you were talking there about oil, I'm asking, I'm wondering, what, a question that rolled through my mind was, why is oil holding its own when demand is so weak? Now, I did see a chart on the screen NBC showing some growth in, in demand this year compared to a sharp contraction last year. But, you know, oil prices, what are they, pushing up upwards close to, oh, I see 78, 77 on the screen right now as I'm speaking. So how do you account for that? Well, I think that uh, a lot of the oil traders do not want to sell oil right now because they see a, a resurgence of growth, not only uh, in the regular stock market, but they also see inflation. And I know there's mm -hmm. arguments against that for deflation and inflation, but the energy field and the food field, the sector markets, I think are in an inflationary uh, position right now. Uh, my calculation, my forecast a week or two ago is inflation was near 8%. I think John Williams might have been a little higher at 8.7. Those are not official numbers. Those are his numbers and my numbers. And as you know, John is very smart and adept at figuring out what the, what the true numbers are in fact. And we, th we see the emergence of inflation, and a lot of people are betting on it. Now, the other thing that's happened is, the bond market has turned around. We've been expecting it for many months. Uh, we tried to short the bonds a couple times. Some of our friends did as well. The trades didn't work. We got stopped out. But now recently, in the past, oh, say, couple of weeks or week or so, uh, the, uh, the prices of long bonds have gapped down tremendously. They were at 123. They're, all, they're hovering around 114, 115 right now. Lower support would be 112 and a half where I expect they could go next month. I think it's going to stabilize for a while where it is right now, but uh, in the intermediate trading time, and that would be from now through spring, we're expecting that bonds are going to go a lot lower. We also expect the U.S. dollar to go up to 80 and then turn right around and come down again. So, okay, but Roger, this just begs the question. I have to ask you this again. So oil, getting back to oil, we're seeing oil prices uh, rise and be very strong in spite of the fact that the underlying demand, the economic demand, the, the actual consumption of oil remains fairly low. So does this mean then that we've got speculation? I guess what, what you're saying, if I'm hearing you right, is that a lot of this money, and you rattled off some numbers, it's going into $60 billion, I think you said, into commodity funds, is this is speculative money then, money that's going in betting on a weaker dollar. Is that what's driving this thing? That's a good part of inflation and a weaker that is dollar. The expectation of inflation. Yeah. I, I think that I think these markets are you know, with the bond and the dollar doing what they're doing, uh, some of these traders are very smart historically. They've been around for a long time. They understand uh, the signals, they know the technicals, and they're looking for um, a higher dollar. Uh, lower bonds, higher yields, and they're looking for in, uh, bigger inflation for next year. And this okay, has a dramatic so, effect, I think, on oil. Okay, so then, Roger, if you think now finally that we, we've seen the peak in the long bond rate and that long-term interest rates are going to go up, do you, or do you think that Ben Bernanke's printing press can print money fast enough to keep the long end of the yield curve from continuing to rise? Well, it's a difficult question because both things are happening at the same time. I think they're racing with the printing press as quickly as they can. We saw some new 
ideas this morning about some more bonds they're going to sell to municipalities for construction, allegedly. I think the money is primarily to prop up the states, uh, the state budgets within the United States because they're in big trouble. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's really a kind of a tug-of-war between the two, and I think you've got both inflation and deflation at the same time. I think eventually, for a short period of time, inflation will win. We have a chance of going to hyperinflation, but then, of course, after that, we go back into deflation. Okay, well, um, you know, certainly is um, certainly is a very interesting period of time. With regarding the bond market, though, if if we really are seeing a turn in the market, um, I don't see how the uh, how the very weak global economy, especially in the West, can handle higher rates. I'd like to just read an excerpt from Bob Hoy. This came out a little while ago concerning the bond markets, because I think this is, as you pointed out, Roger, the most important market. It's so much larger. The U.S. Treasury market is so much larger than the U.S. equity markets. Do you have a number on that, sort of a sense of that? Seventy to one. The yeah, it's just compared huge to compared to this. Well, here's what Hoy said larger. today, December 29th, concerning the bond, uh, the bond market. It says, the bond market was substantially weaker last week as the long bond futures broke technical support convincingly. Breaking down as we head through a seasonally positive period is not an encouraging sign. On the other hand, I am going to reiterate my previous observation. The world cannot afford higher interest rates at this juncture. Rising rates will be extremely detrimental for the struggling recovery that is weighed down by record amounts of debt still outstanding. And then he adds, among others, the supposed recovery in the housing sector will undoubtedly get crushed by rising rates. So if you are one of those bond bearers out there, and if you sold your bonds, make sure that you follow it up by selling your stocks, your real estate, and just about everything else that might be hurt by rising rates. And don't forget to buy some U.S. dollars in the process. End of quote. That's Bob Hoy today. Bob is clearly a deflationist, and he's seeing something sort of opposite of what you're suggesting. And I'm going to have Chen Lin come on just in a, in a second or two, because I think Chen is pretty much with you, Roger, in your short-term view here. And it certainly does seem as though the equity market's on an upswing here. And even Robert McHugh is now suggesting 1,200 on the S&P looks like a, a pretty much a given at this point in time. Uh, and that's what his charts have been calling for one scenario. So um, let, let me just ask you, Chen, are you there now? Yes, I'm here. Hi, hi Jake. Okay. Chen, I don't know if you've been listening in on the conversation here, but we have, uh, you know, Bob Hoy is suggesting that we could be looking at, you know, at a big turn in the bond market. The long bonds, the long rates in the U.S. Treasury market could start to rise very significantly. What are your thoughts if that is to happen? Can the global economy stand rising interest rates? What is that going to do to the U.S. housing market? Do you have any, any, uh, any comments on that? Well, um, that's, I'm not um, specializing in, the, in those interest rate bonds, so mm-hmm. I'm, I kind of you know I don't want to draw a conclusion here. But sure. if in interest rate goes, uh, I, because part of it, the Fed is printing money and using and buying bonds, you know, quantitative mm-hmm. easing, and as they're uh, closing down, as they're supposed to closing down now, I mean now they they extend it to next March. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a, you know, uh, the, the bond could rise sh- sharply. I, I, actually, that would be a very harmful for the, for the economy. 
So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's, mm -hmm. uh, that's some, that's something you have to be careful about. Very careful about that. Of course, they're buying the mortgage-backed securities too, aren't they? And they're going in and supporting the housing market in that way by buying, you know, by by putting providing funding to um, to the housing market. I think I saw somewhere recently that ninety percent of the mortgages that are being made are are government-backed mortgages right now. So the private sector, if it were left to its own druthers, would no doubt pull the pri housing prices and a lot of other things down with it if it were allowed if the free market were allowed to operate that's what would happen but you know what i think what would happen then is we'd get it over with the pain would be over with the markets would be cleansed it would be cleared and we could be onward and upward to some real constructive growth again but it, that's my austrian commentary well chen let me ask you this your with your connections in china china's booming again isn't it yeah china is doing extremely well all i heard is uh... They, they, the government may try to slow down a little bit in 2010. I mean, so uh, it's, it's, it may grow like 10% in 2010, the way it, you know, it goes right now, the momentum that goes right now. And uh, the, the consumer confidence is very, very high. And uh, it seems to be everything booming. It's just, you know, uh, it's just very, very different than, than here in the United States. What about the auto market? Over there, we're hearing that, that the auto market is just going wild, that, that more and more Chinese people are buying cars. Right, yeah. It, it, it's going like crazy. It's not, you know, it's just not a, a little bit up. It's, it's like um, in, in the, the car registration in the city of Beijing, I heard it's going up like 25% a year. Something so missing the net car increase, you know. Uh, so it, it's... It, it's like those periods. Usually, this kind of period lasts like five to ten years. Uh, China went through like the boom of television when everybody wanted to buy a TV. Uh, at that time, uh, Sharp, which is a, a Japanese company, uh, almost went bankrupt. Uh, but that suddenly, there's a huge order to buy TV from China. And sh at that time, Sharp hadn't made the cheapest TV uh, in the, from Japan. So that's that's how they survived. So that's a true story. So you know, Sharp become a very you know leading LCD brand. But but anyway, so I'm just saying is that the, the order magnitude is very very big. And when people want it, the neighbor wants it, you know, relative wants it. So that the people, the pressure, they're very very high pressure for people to um, uh, you know to buy automobile just because you know when the boom goes on. So usually it lasts at least five ten years. So that's maybe probably is uh, the main reason behind the oil strength because oil is uh, um, consumption is uh, flat in the United States maybe a little bit weaker right. uh, for this well, I mean, I, 010 versus 09 I mean but, but in China going much higher. Mm -hmm. Well, so I did Chinese, see a chart go up on CNBC a few minutes ago that showed I think a one and a half percent growth in the demand for oil this year compared to a very sharp contraction last year. So I guess net-net globally, the demand, the underlying demand for, for oil is rising, and it's not all, as Roger and I were discussing, not all speculation. There is some real real demand. But, but here's a question that I have as a free market observer, a person who believes in free markets, Chen, and you're plugged into China so well. So you know that there are stories of uh, you know central planners building uh, apartment buildings that are vacant and so forth. Do you know of any of those stories? Are they true? Oh, um, well, uh, those um, 
You mean where? You mean Korea? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> I, I, I heard there. I had in mind China. China. I, my brother, for example, has been to China, and he talked. I can't remember which city it was, but he's talking about how there was a hotel on one of these large, you know, high rises. The hotel is, I don't know, in the twenty-something story. Then there's a bunch of stories above the hotel that are vacant, a bunch of stories below the hotel that are vacant, and then there's some residentials down down below somewhere. Um, and and I hear stories, and you know, I don't know how much of this is sort of propaganda, and you know, people um, uh, pe- people that don't really know what they're talking about, and people that just you know want to believe in free market capitalism so much that they that that they don't uh, you know have a real take on what's going on in China. But you know, in theory, the idea is that central planners won't get it right. That markets uh, acting with millions of participants, uh, making decisions and voting with their pocketbooks at the same time, come up with a much more efficient answer than than a half a dozen men sitting around a, an oak table somewhere deciding how many apartments should be built and how many shoes should be manufactured, how many cars should be built, should be constructed, and so forth. So do you see the potential in China for a massive deflationary implosion where debts cannot be paid where the you know similar to what we have here or does China have a lot of time because they've they've saved a lot of money and they have you know they are exporting things and they have built wealth what what's your take on that and can China really soften the blow of what might be coming to the west yet Well China yeah those this uh there's a lot of discussions on this and then um, people has uh, all the different arguments. I think China is uh, right now have a, a most dangerous as the housing bubble. Okay, uh, because the price in uh, in Shanghai already higher than Manhattan, for example. You know, it's, it's crazy. Uh, especially China's income level is much still much lower than United States, uh, and then people has to you know earn like a hundred years average earner <laughs> to to buy an apartment. You know, in in big city like Beijing and Shanghai. Um, on the other side, and all the people from the countryside, uh, all their lifelong dream is to live in the big city. So it mm-hmm. so it's like a social status. It's just unbelievable. So, but it, I think eventually it pro- it will pop. Uh, the, the the government uh, they're very they kind of very very concerned about this, especially after what happened to Dubai. Uh, so they don't want to uh, same thing happen in China. So they start to to crack down alone and do a lot of things. So that that's I think that's probably the major concern for China. Um, the near term can see you know. Uh, the, as for that, the China part of it because the saving rate is very very high. Uh, so I know you know uh, still a lot of people even you know the housing price is so expensive they still buying. Um, uh, buying house with cash, you know, there's still a lot of people who do not use mortgage because they are not, uh, they don't like to use mortgage. You know, they're just not used to to borrow so much. So, what so, would a typical uh, financing arrangement be like in 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 China? I mean, is there a large percentage of people that pay the whole housing, the whole price of their house with cash? Yeah, there's still a pretty large, uh, you know, a pretty large. Uh, uh, you know, percentage of people still buying uh, with cash, but there's more and more people using financing because it's just too expensive to to yeah. buy. If they, you know, if it's use, you know, if it's the last, they may be able to. And there's a lot of speculators actually. Uh, they are using you know old sort of ways to uh, to 
to borrow money, especially China, the Chinese stimulus, there was a, the, the bank was very loose on money. So uh, I heard a lot of people just cheated, you know. Uh, they, they, for example, they tried to get a few loans in the same time, buying a few apartments at the same time. And then by the time the bank find out, they, they probably already flip it. So doing those kind of things. So uh, there are all sorts of people. So so I think that's so the game, most interesting. Speculative games part. are being played there, much as they were in the United States, in a sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's most dangerous part of uh, Chinese economy is the housing. Uh, it could, uh, you know, it probably will be uh, be a bubble, and um, that's what and what impact to to the whole society or the other things, you know, so on and so forth. Okay, Chen, uh, I've got, I've got, I want to ask you something else before we uh, bring in Bill Lagner here, who's going to be joining us in just a moment, but. You uh, you and I have talked a little bit about the junior gold share market, and I know you're extremely bullish on, on gold and silver mining stocks. Is that right, as we go into the new year? Exactly. Uh, I see uh, a couple of reasons. Uh, is uh, uh, There's a lot of uh, gold uh, junior uh, fund getting formed, so they're getting funded. So a lot of money will flow in uh, in the new year into the gold and silver junior. And also, usually, the January effect, the juniors are very strong in first quarter, and then mm-hmm. of course there's uh, this campus, this uh, gold core Fresno deal, the bidding war. Uh, I just heard Gold Corp just up their bid again. That's uh, mm-hmm. uh, that will rewrite completely the picture of the juniors. I think every junior will be repriced in the next um, two to three months. Uh, you know, uh, so I'm not as uh, bullish as. To gold, as Roger is, uh, mm-hmm. because I'm not very sure the gold direction this year. Mm-hmm. But I, in 2010, but I'm very bullish on the share. I can already see the decoupling between the stock price and the gold price, and well, then, especially junior junior share. I'm very very bullish yeah. and very very excited. But it will be the hell of right, you know, in, in our lifetime, uh, in the next well, uh, two to three months. At least, Chen, I would like to just add that, you know, I've talked in the first segment of this show again about the real price of gold, the what an ounce of gold will buy, and we're inviting listeners to call in and send by email their prediction of how much, an ounce, how much of the Rogers Raw Material Fund by March 31st an ounce of gold will buy and how, much, how many ounces of gold will be required to buy the Dow Jones by March 31st of 2010. Those are two questions I'm asking people to give their opinions on. Uh, but the gold share markets, uh, certainly the real price of gold rising is extremely bullish for gold, and that's been even more true since the markets bottomed out uh, for silver. Silver has gained versus gold, so the silver mining companies, and actually, could you uh, perhaps just talk about your favorite stock uh, for this year? I think it's a silver stock, is it not? Right, yeah. I have um, well, I have a top pick uh, of uh, this year, actually two top pick, uh, two Gold topic, two silver topic, and topics two silver. I'm very bullish. Uh, uh, Lesco and uh, and uh, also Golden Mineral. Okay, actually, uh, Lesco just learned uh, today. Uh, Canaco just made the, the number one pick for 2010. That was that's Canaccord Capital in Canada, right? Yes, exactly. So, uh-huh. so that that's that, that's you know that's this company. You know, if you if they can execute, you know, all they need is just to to, to get a meal. You know, get a mine going, and then there. This is a multi-bagger. You know, there's no mm-hmm. question about that. 
Uh, another one is Gold, Golden Mineral. Uh, they, they this up uh, AUM is up twenty one percent as we are speaking twenty oh twenty four percent. 24%, 24.5%. So it, it, it's just getting start dis- discovered. You know, we talk about that uh, a couple of times. Uh, you know, I talk on, on this show, and then mm-hmm. we talk on our newsletter. It just, it's a hidden story. Uh, they have an amazing drill hole, about 29,000 uh, 29, grand. Uh, 2,900, I mean, almost 3,000 grand per ton of silver, mm-hmm. over 12 yeah. meters. This is probably one of the best drill holes, the hole you know, for the silver. For, in the past well, that's a years. phenomenal drill hole. Chen, we're going to be talking about uh, this and a lot of other things next year as we go to a two-hour uh, format. We're going to have more time to talk about individual stocks. I'm really looking forward to it because I think next year is going to be a fantastic year for the gold and silver shares. Actually, Chen, I want you to hang around, if you would, because we are going to have somebody that you know very well on with us during the next segment. Uh, Bill Lagener is with us from the Bearing Asset Management Fund. Bill, are you there? Jay, how are you today? Happy holidays. I, I'm fantastic, and how are you doing? I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, well, we have uh, Chen Lin, who you know, is on with us, and Roger Wiegan is still there, but I, I uh, we're going to go to a station break now, but we want to ask you, uh, follow up with a couple of questions uh, and some of the interview that appeared on Barron's. I guess it's in Barron's magazine this week, or at least it's on their uh, on the internet. And some of those questions I want to pass on to you uh, that were asked of you and your colleague Kevin Duffy, uh, and and just talk to you about where you think the market is going in the next year. So we're going to come right back after the station break. Um, so don't go away. We'll be back with uh, we'll be back with Bill Lagner and and Chen Lin and, and more. Uh, so don't go away. We'll be right back. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Apollo Gold is a gold-producing and exploration company that recently brought the brand-new Black Fox Mine into production. Apollo's 100% owned Black Fox Mine is located in the world-renowned gold-producing district of Timmins, Ontario, Canada. It's expected to produce over 100,000 ounces of gold annually. Apollo Gold also has tremendous potential for additional gold discovery as they continue their current exploration program on their recent new discovery at the Gray Fox property, which is adjacent to the Black Fox Mine, as well as its new land acquisition of Pike River. With gold prices near an all-time high, investors should consider Apollo Gold as an outstanding opportunity to invest in an undervalued junior gold mining company, well positioned to take advantage of a bull gold market. Apollo Gold trades on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol AGT and on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol APG. Visit Apollo's website at www.apollogold.com. Apollo Gold, a golden opportunity for investment. 
Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard. It's just a love you're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Uh, we just uh, chatted briefly with Bill Lagner of the Bearing Asset Management Fund. We had Bill and his colleague, uh, uh, Kevin Duffy, with us a few weeks back uh, uh, on this show, and they have uh, had a remarkable record last year, gained over 100% their fund did when everybody else was, including yours truly, losing his shirt. We were on the, on the long side of the market too long last year, and it cost us dearly. We, I can tell you that my model portfolio dropped a little more than 50%, and we've clawed our way back with about a 70% gain so far this year, and we're, we're doing really well. But that was a lesson that was really difficult for me. I, I've been uh, too early, too, too cautious uh, as we continue on. My good friend Chen Lin, who's on the line with us, has, has not been so cautious, has uh, made every penny count very, very aggressively on the long side of the market, and it's working extremely well. So we want to get Bill's, uh, we, we, we get, uh, Bill's idea here uh, and see what he thinks about this market. Where is he going right now? And there was an excellent article that is appearing, I've seen a copy of the article in Barron's Magazine. Bill and Kevin Duffy both were interviewed there. Uh, welcome back again, uh, Bill. Hey, thanks, Jay. Thanks for having me back. So now, let me ask you this. Your article that's in Barron's, is that, will that be in this week's paper, or is this just a, uh, yeah. an Internet version this, of... No, this, this weekend's Barron's, Robin Blumenthal conducted the interview. Um, she's quoted us before in the past, and then... This was kind of um, our way of 
discussing where we are in the cycle, which um, exciting times, yet uh, very scary times at the same. Okay, well, it's very brave of you to short Goldman Sachs, is what I understand you're doing. Could you explain the thinking behind that? I mean, Goldman Sachs is considered the, the prime. Yeah, I think um, that uh, I think Goldman Goldman is is kind of the uh, representative of of the uh, the political economy. I mean, they have been in, involved in many different facets of the, um, the bailouts that we've been reading about. Of course, there's a backlash now building against. Uh, firms like Goldman, every seems like every major publication's touched on this of late, and you know the, um, the political economy would say, "Hey, we had to keep Goldman, and we had to keep the derivatives market in place." And the free market people, like ourselves and others, would say, "Well, that system wasn't very real to begin with, and so let the uh, let the market." Um, uh, reprice it and or get rid of it and get rid of the players who are supportive of it. So um, I would say that a lot of the article uh, discussed the political economy, which were very bearish on it and or short, and then the real economy, which of course is under tremendous pressure right now, small, medium-sized businesses, they don't have access to, you know, uh, 0% money. They don't have access to... Um, Know, lots of the the government inner workings and uh, they're suffering. So I, it's a very challenging time. We are on the sentiment side. We're seeing massive levels of bullishness. It seems like everyone on TV on Bloomberg is afraid to short stocks. Um, people are long. The speculators are back. Uh, we brought up the point that Credit Suisse now says that the leverage in certain segments of the hedge fund community are as high as they were at the peak in 07. So the speculators are back in the pool. Uh, everyone thinks the Fed will keep money at zero, even though PPI and CPI are starting to creep higher. And, um, and another warning sign would be the 210 Treasury spread, which is actually near an all-time high. That's what Greenspan and Bernanke refer to as their quote-unquote inflation expectations. Well, inflation expectations are very high right now, and understandably so. So that's another potential fly in the ointment for the central planner. So I think it's going okay. to be a very exciting year. Let me ask you this. The last time I talked to you a few weeks back, you and Kevin, you said you weren't quite so clear of the direction of the market at that point as you were last year, and you guys got it right, one of the few people, one of the few funds to get it right, and you were richly rewarded with gains of over 100% last year when everybody else was losing their shirt. Are you more certain right now, given all those sentiment indicators that – are you, do you think the probability is, is high now that we're going to see a decline in the equity markets? And if so, how soon might that happen? That's one question. Yeah. Secondly, with only about a minute left, how much, time, how much are, are you very bullish on gold shares as well at this point in time? Yeah, Jay, I would say that in 2010, we will see more problems within the sovereign debt complex, which will eventually overflow into asset prices. So I would say that asset prices eventually come under significant pressure. I think the central planners will respond with even greater doses of intervention and bailouts, and that will be, I think, the catalyst for moving the gold price out of this consolidation phase that it's in currently. So I think the gold price, in that it may decline somewhat with their overall overall market near term, I think the gold price will go significantly higher as the central planners come in and print even more money. 
Okay, thanks, Bill. Unfortunately, we're out of time. I've got a couple of comments to wrap up here. Bill, just let our listeners know where they can learn more about your fund and your work. What is the website? You can go to our website, bearingasset.com, B-E-A-R-I-N-G, asset is singular.com. Very good. Thanks very much, Bill. Well, just in wrapping up here, folks, I want to remind you that next week we will start our new two-hour format. We're going to have David Tice as our special guest next week. I'm going to take the opportunity here just to tell you what my top uh, stock pick is going into next year. It's Midlands Minerals Corporation. Midlands Minerals Corporation selling at about 35 cents right now. It's got uh, production, short-term gold production, 400,000 ounces. It's in Tanzania one of the safer countries in, in Africa. but It has huge exploration potential, so it's a speculative stock to be sure, and I think one that's well worth a look. Midlands Minerals Corp., and uh, it's MDLXF uh, and MEX on the Toronto Exchange, MDLXF on the uh, pink sheets here in the U.S. Um, yeah, we're just about out of time here, so I want to say again, I want to thank those of you, I want to thank each of you for listening. Thanks to our sponsors as well. Uh, I want to thank uh, Tacey Trump, our senior executive producer, Ruben Colombe, our operations manager, Travis Ortwin, my engineer, for making this show logistically possible. Again, thanks to each of you for listening. Our numbers are up again. We're very gratified by the increasing popularity of this show. Until next week, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now the thing about time is that time isn't really real. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.